Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Veterinarian Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. Again, today, I'm going to have another radio show. I'm going to do this one solo. Real quick, you might have noticed there was no sponsorship read to start the episode. That's due to the sponsor actually pivoting out of serving those within veterinary medicine, so it only made sense for the sponsorship to end. I'm super appreciative of their help, especially with being able to reinvest in the show. And again, my focus is on veterinary medicine, so it totally makes sense to you know only work and find sponsors that are going to be serving you and doing a great job at doing that. So real quick, I did want to talk through a topic, and I want to make today a little bit more of like a how-to, just because it's come up several different times in recent discussions, and I actually got asked about it during a recent veterinary financial summit uh, Q&A, like panel discussion. Quick plug for that event. I was super impressed by what Dr. Meredith Jones and Dr. Phil Zeltzman, who have been on the show and talked about it, how they pulled it off, how they did it. All the feedback I heard was extremely positive. And trying to move an in-person event to virtual in the inaugural year of like something new and also having COVID to change all the plans. I mean, they did a great job. I feel very fortunate and there was a lot of great speakers. So highly, highly recommend it. Um, I'm sure it'll be back next year. So look out for that. Sign up. Lots to learn. Anyway, so for today's topic, I wanted to chat through the question of how do I determine if I should roll over a retirement account from a previous employer into a new plan or do I roll it into an individual retirement account? Like what do I do with this money? Typically when you're going to do a rollover, it's going to be something that's like an old 401k. Maybe it's a simple IRA. Sometimes it can also be what it's called a SEP IRA. All those are just retirement plan types that practices may have, whether it's a large corporate consolidator, whether it's an individual private practice, those are kind of the traditional options that you're going to see. Hear this question a lot. And while the answer is going to be, it depends, which is a lot of what personal finance topics are, it's going to be, it depends. But I wanted to dive in, provide a little context, some food for thought, and hopefully help you make the best decision. That way you don't have something that you do that you regret or you're not sure. And then maybe you don't do anything. Because I have seen people that never done anything and they have these old accounts all over the place and it's not quite the right setup for them. So hopefully this helps. First question you need to ask yourself, do you have any interest in self-managing your investments? If the answer is yes, and again, Dan and I recorded an Investing 101 podcast. If you want to get more into the weeds, I'd check out that episode. If you want to hear more about like just self-managing investments and kind of what that looks like and thoughts, we can record an episode, please let me know. But yes, let's say you want to self-manage. First question is what's the annual income that you have as a household? As a single individual filing, and again, this is for 2020, so this will change in the future. So please, you know, talk to your tax professionals and and check all this stuff if you're listening to it in 2021 or later. So if you're a single individual and it's under and you make under $124,000 a year, or you're a joint filer and you make under $196,000 a year, if you're under that, feel free, open up an individual IRA account, roll over that 401k, simple IRA, or SEP IRA. Real quick, simple IRAs have a funny little rule. If you have a simple IRA and it's not been open for two years, you need to allow it to be open for two years. There's a penalty if you try to roll over your money prior to that. So let's say you started at a place, they offered you this retirement plan, it's a simple IRA, you're there 18 months, it doesn't work out, you want to leave, you want to roll it over, wait. Just wait because you have to pay a big penalty if you don't. It's a funny little rule with those. Um, don't necessarily need to get into the details, but just make sure it's been open for two years. Also, if you think that your income is going to change, let's say you're about ready to become an owner, you're going to buy in and your income is drastically going to change. Also think about that. And um, the reason being is I want to explain that it might not make sense to open a IRA and roll that money out. The reason being is if you make over that 124 as a single individual or 196 as a joint household, you can no longer contribute to a Roth IRA. I'm a big fan 
of a Roth IRA as they allow you to save funds that have already, you've already paid the tax on, but then it grows tax-free and it's withdrawn tax-free in retirement. So case in point, a traditional IRA, you save the money, you get the tax break up front, it grows tax-deferred, you take it out in retirement, I take out $1,000, I get taxed on that $1,000. A Roth, I get taxed at the front end. Let's say I only put in $900 at the beginning. Well, that $900 grows. When I take it out at the end of, you know, or in retirement, at the end of, you know, that, that Roth's life, I take out, let's say I take out the $900. I can spend all $900 because I don't owe any taxes. It's tax-free. So there's a big difference in that. But that is a huge benefit, especially if we look at today we're in a low-tax environment. And again, that could change depending on when we listen to this and, and what happens. But we're in a low tax environment, so it makes more sense to pay the tax today and let it grow tax-free because tax rates could go up, likely go up. Odds are they're not going to go down. Also, another big benefit of a Roth IRA, after you open a Roth IRA for five years, so it's been open for five years, you can take out your contributions without any penalties since you've already paid taxes on that money going in. It's a nice little benefit. Um, you can use it for, let's say, um, starting a business. So I actually, I did that for myself. I took out a good chunk of the different contributions I put in from starting my Roth IRA at 18 years old when I launched my business. So that was kind of the startup funding I needed. I will tell you, um, I am very lucky that I wasn't trying to open a veterinary hospital because it is much cheaper to kind of self-start my business than it is to uh, do that in vet med. But I did do that. So I was able to use that money for that very purpose. So you could look at it as something like that, that may be beneficial for you and I just want to make sure as you think about rolling over and saying, oh, I'll just open an IRA and I'll do this. There are some contingency things there. And the reason there's contingencies is what is called a backdoor Roth IRA. Let me explain. So if you make over the 124 as a single individual or 196 and you have no traditional IRA assets, you can do what's called a backdoor Roth. So you would basically make a contribution to a traditional IRA. You don't get the tax break and then you would convert it to a Roth and that's kind of the way you can get around it. Well, if you roll over, let's say a 401k, you make over that amount so you can't directly contribute to a Roth, then it gets really tricky because you don't allow yourself to do backdoor Roths anymore. It's really messy and burdensome. It's this aggregation rule from a tax standpoint, way too complex for a conversation on a podcast, but it's just really key to understand that. So it actually might be more beneficial if you are making over 124 or 196 as a joint household that you actually roll it into your employer to keep that backdoor Roth option open. The other thing that you can do, if you do have IRA assets that you've already rolled over and you've already done this and you're like, oh shoot, I shouldn't have done that. It's okay. You can either roll that IRA, the traditional IRA into the 401k, you can still put it in there, or you could convert it. And converting is just basically taking that traditional IRA asset, paying taxes on it, and moving it to a Roth IRA. So you're paying the taxes today to allow it to then grow tax-free and take it out tax-free in the future. Again, I know this can be a little confusing, but again, this is kind of that first step in trying to decide, do I want to roll this over? So there's a lot of tangential things that come into it, and I just want to outline that. If you know right away that you don't want to self-manage, it's easy. Okay, we'll move into step two, and that's keeping the funds in the 401k. So it's now looking at the second step, which is, do I keep it at the old employer's 401k or do I move it to the new employer's 401k? This is where comparing costs comes into play. So the three main costs are the investment cost, the administrator cost, and the record keeper cost. Don't necessarily need to get into all the details. The investment one's pretty easy. Admin would be like 
let's say myself, like an advisor or someone that's going to help on the plan that's going to come in and do the education. Record Keeper is the company that's going to keep all the records and make sure the payroll works and all this other stuff. But those are kind of the three key expenses. The best way to evaluate the cost in a 401k is to ask for the fee disclosure document. It's called a 408B2 form. Again, it's technical, but it'll tell you what all the costs are. And so once you get one of those forms and you can ask whoever the representative is in the um, 401k. So if you have someone that comes in and talks to you, you can ask for the form or just ask whoever is kind of the key person within the, the office that's going to do that for you. So all services provided by your 401k provider and their affiliates or subcontractors, you're going to get what they are getting paid. You're going to get the uh, fiduciary status, which is, you know, do, are they putting their best interest? You're going to get to see all that stuff and you're going to see all the compensation that's coming out. You'll see direct and indirect compensation. You'll see if there's any revenue sharing and all these other things that you're going to be like, holy cow, I didn't know there's so many fees. The biggest thing that I hear is, oh, my 401k is free. I don't pay any fees whatsoever. That is not true. A lot of times the investments in a 401k are expensive. And inside those funds, there's specific buckets where they call, basically are revenue sharing, where they're going to pay out all these other people that are helping. So the person that's coming in and talking to you and educating you is not doing this for free. Um, they are charging something, but sometimes it comes from the investment. So it's just important to understand that. I will tell you the way that I approach 401ks and work with people and the way our firm does it is we bill directly to the practice. And then there is a very, very small amount that comes out of each individual account. And that's all known. It's very clear. But the reason that we actually bill directly to the, the clinic, the hospital, the practice is because they get a tax deduction and it actually makes more sense to bill it that way. So the true cost, when you look at it after tax, is much less than if we would do it through some sort of revenue share or some convoluted method where it takes it out of what you're actually saving for retirement. So it helps more money go into the retirement account. So you save it for the future. Makes sense. Yes, everyone should do that, but they don't today. So I know the third step you're probably asking is what's expensive. So how do I know what's expensive and what's cheap? Again, this is kind of hard. It's going to depend, but I would say if you look at it and the overall all in costs are going to be like three quarters of 1% or greater. So if you see an investment option that most of them are all, you know, three quarters of 1% or 1% or more. Yeah, it's probably an expensive 401k. And that's going to be a long-term drag on what you're going to be able to save. So I would try to get out of that plan. If you see that, you may want to keep it at your current 401k, or you may want to move it just depending on which, which side it is. But again, three quarters of 1%, I would say is more expensive for 401k as far as fees in today's day and age. That wasn't always the case, but the costs have come down, which is great. The fourth and kind of step in this and something to think about, usually older employers will eventually want you to move your funds out of their plan. If you're no longer an employee there, whether you left on good terms, if, even if you left on bad terms, they'll let you typically have it there for a while. But sometimes they're going to say, hey, we're going to send you a check or you have to make this option. You have to make a decision. At some point, usually they're going to want to kick you out, especially if your account balance is like lower I think the threshold's about $5,000. They really want to get those out of the plans. If you have a lot of money there, again, I'm talking about people making money off the, the, the funds in there, they probably aren't as apt to kick you out because they're going to make a decent amount of money on you. So they'll probably let you stay a little longer. Um, but just something to consider if the fees are, are close and comparable between your old plan and your new plan, you might as well move it today because at some point they're probably going to force your hand 
and do that down the road. Kind of step five, and this kind of ties some other things together, is if the fees are both high and both plans stink, you're like, wow, this is not great on either side. I think they both are bad. First, go talk to the new ownership and say, hey, would you ever be open to going out and looking at other 401k providers? The fees should be better. Advocate for yourself, advocate for the others to go out and get a better plan because there are lots of people out there that do great job at administering <laughs> administering 401k plans with reasonable fees and do a great job with education and helping you and your your team do good work and understand how to save and like what are the options and, and just helping if, if anyone needs something. So when I talk about fees, again, those are a long-term anchor on returns most of the time, but that's not always the case. So, so much of investing I feel like today is all about fees, fees, fees. What's the lowest cost? Lowest cost is best. Lowest cost is important, but there are plenty of times we're paying more for diversification or other benefits makes sense. And I talk about this all the time on the personal side. There's times and there's places to pay more for certain things. And there's reasons behind that because net, net, it's whatever the result is at the end of the day, that's what's most important. Usually 401ks have pretty limited options and they're very basic as far as what the different investment options. So that what they call like asset classes that you can select and put your money into. And so if they're expensive, that's a problem because you're not really getting any in incremental value for the cost and it's just not a good setup. So 401ks usually have a pretty small predetermined investment lineup where if you look at an individual IRA or something, you know, some other investment account, you have a lot of options, like tons of options where you can find things that are more expensive that could make sense. So yes, if fees are high on both sides, I would say it might make sense at that point just to move it into an IRA, regardless of what your tax bracket is. And this is where the nuance of it depends comes into play. But at that point, if they both are really high, the, the drag long-term is probably going to hurt you more than it's going to help you. Well, actually, it's not going to help you at all, right? Like the benefit of looking at it from a, a tax perspective, having the Roth option and all these other things I talked about at the beginning, it might just make more sense to say, you know what, I'm just going to put it in the IRA. I'm going to save it there because long-term the fees are going to add up to hurt me more than maybe some of the other things as far as how you can save outside of the 401k. So hopefully that makes sense, but both plans stink. It might just make more sense just to get it completely out of that, put it in your own control, and then make some decisions for kind of long-term asset allocation. Six is kind of a cheat. I guess it's kind of one of these things I just wanted to throw in there. Regardless of what your decision is, if your employer is offering a 401k plan, even if you're an owner, ensure that you save enough at least to get the match. Standard match is 3%. If you put in 3%, the practice is going to match the three. So you're actually saving at least six. That's huge. Over time, do not, even if you feel like you cannot save anything, try to get at least to the match because that's free money. That'd be like them, you know, leaving some money for you by the door as you're going out for the end of the day. Like you would grab that. If they had stacks of money that were sitting there, you would certainly take it. So ensure that you are at least getting the match. I know that's not necessarily determining whether you roll or roll it out or roll it in or whatever whatever from that standpoint, but it is so important to make sure that you at least get the match. So to summarize what we talked about, the decision to roll over or not roll over is really predicated on three key things. Do you wanna have control over the investment decisions? How much do you make from a household? And thinking about that traditional and the Roth and the tax benefits of each. And then what are the costs? I think if you can get those three things, those kind of answers or that organization, understanding those three kind of key elements, you can make a really thoughtful and wise decision on what to do. So I hope this helps and it will save you some heartache and some time. And if you like these kind of like how-to shows where I kind of walk through something and hopefully this was helpful, again, easiest way to let me know that you want to do more of these or you have certain topics that you'd like to talk through, you can join the Facebook group, which all the details for that is in the outro uh, message. 
but it's real easy. It's on the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll to the bottom. It'll have a little join the Facebook group. I'll approve you, ask the question, or connect on LinkedIn, message me and just say, hey, Isaiah, I'd love to have this topic be discussed. Always out there trying to understand what you would like to see more of. So with that, take care. Thank you so much for listening and hopefully this helped. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should consult your team before implementing anything. Isaiah Douglas is a partner of Vincier Wealth Management. Isaiah is registered in the state of Indiana, California, Texas. The biggest compliment you can give to this podcast is to share it with a friend. Reviews help the show get found, and Apple Podcasts is the platform that predominantly is how people listen to the show. If you have three to five minutes, you like the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts, give us an honest rating and review. That'll help more people find the show. For all of today's links and information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can subscribe via your favorite podcast platform platform so you won't miss another episode. Finally, if you'd like more information, insights, and have the ability for your voice to be heard and interact with show guests, join the private Facebook group. You can go to the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom where it says about your host and then click on the Facebook icon. That'll bring you into the Facebook group. I'll approve you. You'll be in. And then I'd love to hear your questions, feedback, and anything that you'd like to see added to the show. So with all that, thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking again to you soon.